It's time for today's travel and cruise industry news. With the latest from travel and cruises around the world, here's your host, Chili Falls. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Travel and Cruise Industry News Podcast. For this, the ninth day of August 2023, I'm Chili Falls coming to you from Bedford County, Virginia, Central Virginia area. Have a couple stories that we'll get to eventually today. MSC's uh, has some dining room charges that they uh, are implementing. Uh, Captain Vittorio Marchi celebrates 8888 milestone. We're going to talk about that a little bit. And uh, kind of talk about Hurricane Dory still and how it's affecting Hawaii. And lots more live here at 11 o'clock this morning. Today, folks, is National Rice Pudding Day. And ah, that's not a biggie for me. I don't dislike it. I can do without it just as well. But anyway, go and fix some rice pudding. Why don't you? Uh, but do it after the show, okay? If you're listening via the podcast, you're always welcome here. You can access the podcast via my blog, which is accessadventure.net, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, just search for travel and cruise industry news, and up pops the fat travel guy. Anytime you're watching or listening to the podcast and want to hop over to the video feed in case you want to check out pictures or clips or interviews, uh, there's always a link in the description of the podcast so you can do just that. One quick thing before we get to my special guests this morning, and that's from uh, Elizabeth on location down in Cozumel. She sent this yesterday. Just a lovely sunset in Cozumel. That's uh, from her apartment. So uh, that's it. All right. I think everybody well knows because I've got a lot of new uh, a new subscribers. So some of you may not know my guest. She's been on this show probably. God, I don't even keep track of it anymore. A dozen times at least. Uh, she's uh, a keynote speaker extraordinaire. She's a mom to three kids, a military wife, a wheelchair user, a travel lover, a disability advocate, and more importantly, consultant. She's owner of Incredible Memories Travel. She's probably been one of the most influential people in my life especially in the latter part of my life. Yeah, I went through health issues and I got off my big fat butt to go cruising. But Christy came along and put some meaning in my life, which has made it so much more rewarding. And so I just, you know, she just holds a special place in my heart for that. Uh, she clearly gave my life purpose that it didn't have before. And more importantly, she's my friend. And she seemed to be my boss, if all goes well. So uh, this air, Christy, welcome back to the Travel and Cruise Industry News Podcast. Thank you so much, Shilly. I'm always thrilled to be here. And that introduction just warms my heart on so many levels. Um, always so glad for your friendship and it's always a pleasure to be here to talk 
to your subscribers and to talk with you about what's going on in my world and the travel industry at large. That's one of the things um, I have had this, this, this last month, tremendous growth on this channel, which I haven't been stagnant, but I'm growing so painfully slowly. And all of a sudden, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm increasing subscribers at the rate of you know, 400 to 450 a month. That's amazing. Uh, so that's, that's, you know, that's tremendous. So a lot of folks that may be listening, most of the chat room folks all know you, but a lot of folks may be listening that are new to this channel. So give us a, a two minute, cause we've got a lot of things to cover. Okay. A two minute, um, expose on the life of Christy and how you get where you are today as far as your accommodations. All right. Let's see how if I can do this really quickly. So as Chili mentioned, I am the owner of Incredible Memories Travel. More importantly, I am a wife to the most amazing man in the world, Ryan Durso. Sorry, Chili, but He's the best. And I have three phenomenal children and all three of them have some level of disability. I'm a wheelchair user. I've been a full-time wheelchair user for four years. Before that, I had struggles with my mobility because of a genetic disability. And now I'm always in a chair. I use a manual chair most of the time. My daughter has the same genetic condition I do, 27 food allergies, celiac disease, and she's on the spectrum. My middle child's on the spectrum, and our youngest is cognitively and intellectually disabled from choices his bio mom made, leaving him with profound fetal alcohol syndrome. So we travel with a variety of disabilities wherever we go, and being a military family, we have to travel. I decided to join the travel industry after an amazing reunion at Disney World where the entire trip was just like Tinkerbell following us wherever we went, sprinkling pixie dust on us, making it absolutely amazing with a surprise homecoming uh, with my kids getting to knock my husband over on stage when he came out from the back. I wanted to recreate that for other people shortly realized that there was a real shortage of people specializing in accessibility and began making that my focus, realized that the reason there's such a shortage is because there's not enough information out there and not any good training. So I started my own agency and began working on building the Spectrum of Accessibility Training Program, which trains other travelers on how to do better as they book travelers with disabilities of all kinds. We train on mobility, hearing, visual, intellectual, cognitive, uh, neurodivergencies, invisible disabilities, and dietary accessibility. And about two years ago, I began speaking and have had the pleasure of speaking at some pretty cool events. The biggest one so far this year was the National Tour Association had me as their keynote speaker for their contact event in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And they've already asked me to be their keynote next year at their larger conference called, conference called the Travel Exchange in the fall. So really exciting about news about that. And then I'm doing several other speaking and um, auditing of different locations. Like I'm going to Ottawa, Canada, and also Hershey, Pennsylvania this year as two of the locations I get to go see. So that's a quick sum up of what I do. All right. Now, one quick question personal uh, before we get to the subject matter today. 
when you first went to the chair, did you have emotional issues, depression, anything like that from, oh my God, all of a sudden I'm in a chair or was it freeing for you to be, oh my God, now I'm in a chair, I can do things. I had the second reaction. It absolutely was one of the best things for me in my life. I wouldn't change anything. There are definitely things I miss about being ambulatory, but I have my freedom back. My genetic disability and the autoimmune diseases had worked together so well that sometimes I would have to grab on to whatever I could find, bar stools, chairs, the couches, and I'd have to use that to help myself walk down a hallway. And then I realized that the first time using a chair out at Disney World with my family, they weren't looking back at me wondering how I was doing. I was able to watch the joy on their face as they experienced the parks. We'd been hundreds of times. It wasn't really a new thing for them, but they weren't worried about me. They weren't wondering, how's mom doing today? Do we need to cut it short? Do we need to pay more attention to how how her hips are doing or anything else. It was just freedom for them. And by extension, freedom for me. And somebody asked me about six months ago, how being in a chair has changed me, um, how they, how I thought it affected my personality. And I don't know any other way to explain it other than to say, I am more me than I've ever been in my entire life. I'm doing things that I could have only dreamt about doing, impacting the world, impacting our community in a way that I would have never been able to if I were still walking. And it's, um, I wouldn't trade it. I love everything about, there are moments, moments that I would trade. Yeah, uh, like obviously. having a full-blown accident in the Vancouver airport. I would certainly choose to not do that again. Yeah. That comes with being in a chair, though, and even being able to say that on air to an audience, a live audience, it's a little and bit not terrifying. be embarrassed. I mean, it, you know. But it's a reality that we face. And the more we talk about the realities we face as people with disabilities, the less shame and embarrassment there is. I mean, it's kind of, it's one of those things that I could have controlled about as well as my hair color. Well, never mind. I can dye my hair. Um, but my eye color, my skin color, those things you're born with. And this may not have been something I was born with, but it was certainly beyond my control. And being able to share that, listen, this happens to me too. And it's okay. We work around it and we find a way to figure out how to keep on going is really important to the work I do. And so even an instant like instance like that, I wouldn't change. And one of the things that I find so exciting about my future with you specifically, and we have not made any official announcement of this, so I'm not making any official announcement of this, folks. However, I'm looking forward to finding other folks out there that are look at me and say, damn, if he can cruise, so can I. Let's see if he can help me get there and I can work with those people to get them where I am now. So then you're going to provide me with the vehicle to do that. I'm not making any official announcement. <laughs> I'm not just, what can I say? All right, now, speaking of changing the world, 
Christy. You just got back from Alaska. I did, and it was phenomenal. It was and amazing. You found out something while you were there. I that, did. Could you maybe uh, relate that to the audience? Absolutely. So let me give you a little background on this Alaska trip first. I just came back from Alaska in July, and we took 17 people. We had five wheelchair users, five people with special diets, three people with ambulatory mobility disabilities, four neurodivergencies, and, and two cognitive intellectual disabilities. So we took quite a group. We got to do amazing things on this trip. We went in helicopters, did whale watching. We did a dog sledding trip, and um, we did the Bering Sea crab fishing tours and watched the eagles swooping down, all these amazing trip of a lifetime kind of things. But the most impactful moment for me wasn't any of that. It was going up to the Lido deck. Now, again, I've been on the same ship now. This was my fourth time. And I worked with them last year with Will the World to build out more accessible shore excursions and to talk about ways that we can improve things for people with disabilities. And one of the most important things that we talked about was we want to not just be able to get on the ship. We want to be able to participate. And we want to be able to have equitable experiences. And a couple areas I really felt they were lacking were in the spa and in the pools. In order to use this, the pools, I had to call down to guest services, set a time. They had to find the lift, find somebody to operate the lift, and then bring it up to me at said time. Whereas anybody else could just go to the pool and get in with their family whenever they wanted. And then the other thing is the, the cruises all have spa passes where you're able to go and use their ceramic tables, the heated tables, they're amazing, and the saunas and everything, and also the hydrotherapy pools. Well, they didn't have a lift to that hydrotherapy pool, so it was extremely difficult to get in and out of it for a person who uses a wheelchair. So we had these conversations, and they listened, they took notes, and a lot of times people listen, they take notes, and then nothing ever happens. So I got on the ship this time, though. And I took my husband up to go do the spa tour that you can try to get a free gift card and everything in. And as we rolled up, I stopped dead in my tracks. And I began crying because they listened. There was a permanent lift installed in the hydrotherapy pool on Holland America's Koningstown. You can see it right there. And they didn't require me to use an attendant to use it. They offered one if I needed it, but they said I could just use it without having anybody else there whenever I wanted. And then I rolled around the rest of the deck and all of their pools had a permanent lift installed. They only had three weeks in dry dock and this was a priority for them. They made sure to put a lift in at every pool and in the spot so wheelchair users could safely use that hydrotherapy pool. Now, I, was I know Holland America is better than a lot of the cruise lines. I wonder if that's going to go fleet-wide for them. 
I do believe that is the plan. I'm not going to go on record saying that. Yes, absolutely. But I do believe their plan is to do it on every ship in every pool. So, well, of course, I'll be able to report back on one of them in about uh, 10 days, as a matter of fact. I'll well, be on Nordam uh, shortly. So I have not had any updates on the Nordam on whether or not they've taken any of those steps yet. But it was pretty amazing. The hotel director of the ship did take me around and we talked about all the other changes that they're going to be making as well. So I'll let you all know on those the next time I see them and I see what they've actually updated. Wonderful. All right. When you get on a ship, uh, and some ships have a ADA compliance officer. Other ships, it's a special needs coordinator. Uh, but there's sometimes all types of titles, and sometimes there's nobody. Do you, do you have any way of contacting that person before a cruise, or do you just go with hat in your hand and go to guest services and try to find out who it is. Well, I mean, because of my role, I'm able to make connections ahead of time, but everybody should be able to contact the accessibility department of the cruise line ahead of time and make sure that they know what is available for them on that ship. The Every cruise line has that department and you are supposed to be able to contact them before you cruise. And they're supposed to help you coordinate and figure out what you need. For example, the shower chairs in the restrooms in your bathroom in that shower don't work for every single person. Some people need more support. Some people need a different type of setup. They need a larger chair. Um, with that contacting the cruise line ahead of time, we're able to make all of those arrangements. We're able to ask them about things like the shower or the pool lift and other areas that may or may not be accessible and find out, yes, there is accessible seating at the theater and it's over in this section. All of that information can be gotten ahead of time, including bed heights. If you're worried about the height of the bed and you need to know for sure that you're going to be able to get in and out of it, we're able to get that information prior to your cruise so that we can be sure that it's going to work for you. Yeah. So. All right. Now I got a couple questions to see if you know something about this. Okay. Are you familiar at all with Trimline and helping their helping cruise ships with their ADA compliance? Trivline? Trimline. I, I have not heard of them. Okay. So Trimline, this, is th this this broke on uh one of my one of my news sites, uh, Cruise Industry News, about uh, on August the third. As a matter of fact, there was an article about Trimline assists cruise lines in ADA compliance. Uh, obviously, that caught my attention, and I did a story on them. Uh, uh, you know about that, but they're actually a company. The first time I ran into them. They were the company that did about 10 Royal Caribbean ships in remodeling. Uh, they took away, I think, one of the bars and expanded the, the casino. Uh, so there would be a smoking area and non-smoking area on the casino on, I think it was like maybe 10 of, of Royal ships. Trimline was the company that was doing the work. 
So at least I knew the company, but I had no idea that they knew anything about ADA. So here's what they're they're doing things like this. All right, this was on this happened to be on an MSC ship. I love uh, it. But the bar, of course, is a long uh, straight bar with a long railing. Okay, so they come in on the picture on the right. They cut out, uh, put in a, a table top level for the for the bar. Cut off the railing there have a place underneath it so you can pull a chair in and sit at the table like a normal person. Uh, oh, and there's I even, there's even space for your feet beneath where you pull the, the chair. And I'm thinking, oh my God, where are these people coming from with this? I love it. You know, there's been a big push for that kind of thing. Um, and Royal Caribbean and Celebrity have already started doing those kinds of things. I've posted about it on some of my pictures. The last time when we were on a celebrity ship, uh, I shared, oh, I live on a military base. You can hear the airplanes. So, um, But I did post about how nice it was to have that accessible counter at the different locations throughout the ship. And I love the fact that Trimline is doing more of that because it is important. It is nice to be able to roll up to somewhere and be able to have a conversation with somebody at my level and not constantly and not, looking up. And, and reaching up to get a mark. <laughs> yes. the, only thing, yes. the only thing on this setup, I want to see this setup because all right, the, the, the levels down there, but the bar itself where the bartender's working, is he going to be able to reach across the bar and down to my table? So I'm still not you know, reaching up to get a drink. I mean, well, not that I'll I want, tell you not from that my I want to have an adult beverage on the cruise ship, of course. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'll tell you from my experience in experiencing that lower bar on the celebrity ship that we took, the celebrity reflection, I had no issues with them being able to reach that counter and get things to me. Um, on that lower counter, everything worked out just the way it should have. And it was very nice. Yeah. All right. One of the things that uh, actually the question originally came from one of my viewers who happens to live in Greece uh, and is also trying to get me to speak Italian, but that's neither here nor there. I works on my pronunciation all the time because I slaughter Italian. Uh, he asked if there was such a thing as an ADA compliance person from for CLIA. And I said, hell, I don't know, but I'll ask Christy. She'll know. Um, you know, I don't know for sure. I, I've never been introduced to that person. I've talked to CLIA a few times. They're higher ups and um di about different things but i don't know that they have an ada compliance officer i'm certain they have a de and i office which they probably kind of shuffle that into but i don't believe that there is an ada compliance officer as part of clia again not something that i at least not as far as i've been made aware and i would assume given the state of different cruise ships operating in and out of the united states that uh, there is not one um given what, the lack of one standards. of the things one of the things that bothers me a lot of things bother me well one of the things that bothers me the most is that some of the new ships that should be by now they should know from the construction process 
what to do and they don't. Yeah. I was, I was on, I was on Seascape last year on its inaugural cruise and it was one of the worst ships I was on all year. I, I agree. Some of them, you just stop and go, why are we still dealing with this in the year 2023? At this point, we ought to know better. At this point, we should be doing better. And I think a big part of it is they forget that we're still human beings with personalities. We still want to be able to do everything that anybody else is able to, which is where I come in and I talk to them about that very thing and show them much there still is that we can do even though we don't use our legs yeah. so what that's the, and that ties into the clea question because clea works on new builds yes they're involved in the design process on a lot of the ships and they're the ones that should be saying okay you need to have handicap accessible restrooms. You need uh, automatic doors on the handicap accessible cabins. You need right. not to have freaking steps that a wheelchair can run into. I mean, there's right. just so many things. But still, it might, Leah needs to get there, be able to get their foot in the door on this area. And I, yeah, maybe just we, just have to start hounding the hell out of Clea. Well, we are working on it, and we're getting there. Um, you know, we've talked about the fact that I speak at Travelability every year, and Travelability, for those who don't know, is an industry-facing conference that helps destinations, tour operators, et cetera, learn about what they need to know to become more accessible. And so we've that's really one of our primary primary platforms for getting all of this done. And I'm so excited. The conference is coming up next week and it is sold out and I will get to be the MC for a good chunk of it. So I'm really looking forward to it. Nice. And it'll be a lot of fun. Um, but we get people like Royal Caribbean is there and we're trying to get home there next year and trying to talk to these cruise lines about showing up. And I think we really do need to try to get Clea, a representative from Clea there as well, and see how we can partner, bring them into what we're doing and see if they can get us into their playground and um, help us to continue to make changes there. So. All right. My next question. Have you ever done a river cruise? I have not. And there's a pretty good reason for that. River cruising in Europe is not accessible. They yeah, flat out tell you that it's not possible. Uh, it's mostly due to the way that the ships dock. However, I do want to do an American River Cruise. I really want to do American Queen Steamboat Company and their River Cruise because they have a bus that follows the ship all the way along. And that bus has a lift to it. So a person with a wheelchair user can use it. Um, and they have ADA cabins on board because they are an American company. So they are required to follow the ADA. One, but yeah. at least one. And yeah, least in my it, position, what one. I've what I've tried to tell them is, okay, folks, a lot of the disabled community is not aware that you've got, you know, handicap accessible uh, a cabin on this ship. You need to have me on one of your cruises 
so I can broadcast from there and let people know. Yeah, Not every boat, I'd be happy to do it. Absolutely. And that's, we've, I've gone round and round with them a bit, especially they were coming out with their expedition class ship to go to Alaska. And I was in talks with them about doing that cruise, but then they were worried about some of their ports not quite being accessible enough for me with having to have stairs instead of a ramp, which obviously I wouldn't be able to do. So it's about time to get back with them and say, okay, it's time to give this another shot. Let's take a look. If we can't do Alaska, let's look at your river cruise and show people what it's like to come on your ship with a wheelchair and how accessible you are. Because this is a whole new community that could open up to being on your ships and it would be amazing. And if we could fill the one cabin on every one of their ships, on every cruise, then maybe they go to two cabins. That's the idea, isn't it? That's the hope. So I think there's progress to be made. It's slow and steady. I don't know if you saw, Chile, I'm going to shift this subject a little bit, but just talking about the progress, because we're kind of hanging on some things that are not real exciting right now with the the lack of progress, but I do want to share about something that I feel like is a pretty good victory. Um, Earlier this week, Delta Vacations sent me an email and they sent me a piece, a brand new ad that they have. And this ad is for Europe and it has a man in a wheelchair with his partner next to him and they're taking a picture And that is one of their brand new ads for Europe. And I was told this is the first of several pieces that are targeted for people with disabilities. So I'm really excited. Yes, the progress is slow. Sometimes it feels mind-bendingly slow, but it's happening. It is happening. Uh, We're making strides every time. You know, I go on cruise ships now and... People know who I am and know what I'm there for. And that's, that's been, you know, that's, that's to me, that, that helps open my doors right away. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so appreciative of what everybody in the community is doing, uh, including me. Um, Now, what is your feeling about the word handicapped? Well, um, it's not my favorite word. I don't personally get offended by it, but I know a lot of people do. And I feel like we have some other words that paint better word pictures that I prefer. So if I'm given the choice to choose which word, you know, I don't ever call it a handicap permit. It's an accessible permit. And if we talk about the origin of the word, you know, it breaks down to hand and cap, a time where people with disabilities literally had to beg on the streets because there were no other options for them with their hand in their cap, asking for their cap in their hand, you say that right, asking for money uh, because they had no other option. Now, take that image, that word picture there and contrast it with the word accessible. There is no other way to look at the word accessible other than doors opening, things opening up to somebody. And I'm a firm believer. In fact, I just started um, advertising a workshop for support groups and 
businesses that goes from, it's called, sorry, we've got mowers today too. I'm just making all kinds of noise. Okay. Uh, how to go from the, how to go from being invisible to the most powerful person in the room. And the entire talk is talking about either nonverbal cues or non-confrontational ways that you can shift the power in the room so that you're no longer feeling invisible as a wheelchair user or with a disability or a woman or whatever. And you've managed to shift the attention and the focus of the room to you instead of it being elsewhere. You're no longer having the doctor talk to your spouse. You're having them talk directly to you. You're no longer being talked to like a child, but you're being talked to as the expert of your body or whatever the subject is that you actually are. And one of the biggest, most important ways that we do that is by our language choice. And we plant cues, we plant seeds into other people's brains. Hi, boys. Oh, you have a zoo here today. I'm we, so sorry. We like we like dogs. That's okay. My cat just <laughs> took off like a bat out of hell, which was funny. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my my dog sits at my feet all day long. But uh, my son went out earlier to do something and forgot to close our door, and so they get excited anytime anything passes by that they hear. Sure. So, but going back to what I was saying about those cues. Those language cues are so critical when we're talking and when we're communicating with others and being able to change, subtly change somebody's mindset. Don't worry about it. Being able to change somebody's mindset just with those cues is really, really beneficial. You can convince somebody to do just about anything without them ever realizing that that's what you're doing, using the right language, making them change their thought patterns just by the language you're using. So for me, I would rather people picture doors opening when they talk about a person with a disability rather than them picturing somebody who's incapable which is more what the word handicap implies. So for me, I like the more powerful, the more progressive word of accessible than I do handicap. Yeah, I, and this was pointed out to me and I did it without thinking. Uh, and somebody called me out on it and I thought, wow, they're absolutely right. And I did not, I was not aware of even having done it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, we grew up with those words. We grew up saying things like that, but the language evolves and people evolve and we evolve with them. And I'm not, um, I'm not really huge into me being responsible for your feelings that that's not really the way that I operate. Everybody is responsible for their own responses to their circumstances. But I am a huge proponent of using language that helps us grow and helps us change and open and to using language that helps us to open doors. I think that's important. All right. Speaking of opening doors, I have one, one last question for you. 
it kind of relates to something that I sent you an email on, or maybe we talked about on a private conversation we had. But let's picture this. Christy goes into a doctor's office and struggles to get in the door. You have to get in a door. It has no automatic opener. You get in the door and then you have to go inside a little foyer and get the door closed behind you and then turn and open a second door and make a 90 degree turn to get into the office itself. Right. Now, obviously, they need uh, some ADA compliance training or lecturing or something. Absolutely. For a doctor's office, should know better. I'm what is your, I mean, I realize how one can file charges, ADA compliance charges against somebody. But what's your first step? Do you My, try to talk to them? I do. I do. And I've, again, this goes back to language, body posture, everything else. I don't talk to them angry. It's yeah. really important to me that instead of them seeing me as somebody contradictory, that they see me as an ally. I think that's really critical in getting the message heard, no matter where you are. If I can come across as somebody who's saying, hey, thank you so much for seeing me here. I'm so glad that you're open to having somebody with disabilities here, no matter where I am, doctor's office, restaurant, cruise ship, hotel. I'm glad to see that you're willing to make the effort. Let me show you how you could make it easier on everybody. I don't need somebody to open the door for me if you do X, Y, Z. I don't need somebody to come into the bathroom and help me get soap if you would just put it in an area I could reach. And I'll show them, physically have them come with me so I can show them the struggle that I have and they can see with their own eyes why it needs to be different. Because once they see that, once they actually see somebody struggle with it and they're not being told, you know, oh, I can't believe you've done it wrong. I'm going to file charges. I'm going to sue you. But instead they're going, do you mind if I show you why we should make a change here? It's a much better response. Of course, one of my biggest bugaboos on cruise ships is public restrooms. And on ships that do not have a, at least, you know, in their bank of three restrooms, you know, one of them at least is accessible. Uh, I found that the best thing for me to do is to whoever I'm talking to on the staff, can I show you? Yes. What I have to go through here. And yes. they and when they see me struggle to get through the doors and having to hold it with my foot and have the door slam back into me, right. they go, oh, my God, I had no idea. No, I know. That's, yeah. That's the number one thing is I had no idea. That's the number one thing I hear. So people are complaining about it, but not actually reporting it. And that, that's a big issue. If we aren't taking the time to show, if we aren't taking the time to educate and demonstrate what needs to be different, how are they going to improve? We have to take that step. And I will tell you on the Koningsdam, I was so happy to see this. Every accessible bathroom there, and this was before I even began working with them, uh, but all of their accessible bathrooms are outside of the main restroom. So they have their women's and men's restrooms with multiple stalls. We can't even get in that door. Instead, there's a private stall 
with a button um, outside of that that we're able to use. And that's so much easier. And then next to that is a chart with the location of every other public accessible restroom. And I love that. It is so helpful. Now, I don't remember... um, I don't remember seeing that last year. I remember seeing it this year. I don't remember seeing that chart next to all of the bathrooms last year. So I, I'm not, I won't swear to the fact that that's new, but I do think it is new and I could be wrong on that. So um, just something that I definitely noticed this time around. And I found it very, very helpful because every now and those, then those are, in use by somebody other than me, the audacity, I know. Um, So I have to go find another one. But it it really did help. And it made it so it wasn't just, we have this for you, but we're thinking of you. We're paying attention and we know that it may be difficult and we want you to know that we've thought through and we want you to know where everything is because you are valuable to us. Now Gimli's trying to knock my computer off. Look at this, guys. This is ridiculous. This 40-pound dog okay. is now curled up in my lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That's okay. <laughs> we, we love dogs. All right. A- I said I wasn't going to ask you any more questions. The hell with that. I'm going to ask you another question. Go for um, it. I'm here. Uh, what does Christy do when she sees somebody park in a accessible parking place or walk out of a an accessible restroom. Does Christy say anything to those people? If I see somebody park in an accessible spot that doesn't have a permit, the first thing I do is I look for the permit because oh, yeah. as a reminder, not all disabilities are visible. Visual. We yeah. have to give the benefit of the doubt. Somebody may not look like they have a disability that would warrant them using that spot, but they might. I'm an excellent, excellent example of that in my younger days before I was in a chair. I may have been able to run into the store, but then something would happen and I would barely be able to walk out. So I would park in that spot, even if I felt pretty good getting there I would still have to park in that spot because I wouldn't know what I'd feel like coming out. So as long as they have a permit, I'm not saying anything. However, that's mostly true. If there's a spot right across the street that's like, or right there that is not accessible, but just as close and they're ambulatory, I may ask them to move so I have the space to get out of my vehicle. And I won't, it, it won't be about them. It won't be like, I don't think you should be using that space. It'll be more, I'll frame it as, would you mind terribly, since that spot is not much further, would you mind parking there so that I'm able to get in and out of my car safely without scratching somebody else's? Um, if they don't have a permit at all, it it's going to be a confrontation every time, but I will say something every single time. And I have definitely. Um, and I'll usually start it with, did you know, especially if somebody's parking on the lines um, in the hash marks that are next to the spot. I'll say, did you know 
that those marks are actually the reason that space is blanked out is so that I have enough room to get out safely. And so that other wheelchair users who need a ramp to get out of their vehicle have enough room to do that. And when you park there, you take away my ability to be able to get in and out of my vehicle. So I'll start with that. If they're not showing a permit and they're parked in a spot, I'll remind them. I'll ask them first, do you have a valid accessible parking permit? And if they say something like, uh, no, I'm just going to be here real quick, just running in, running out, I'll say, you are now hindering somebody with a disability from being able to park and visit the store at all. And it, you need to move your vehicle. And so I will address it every time. I've done little videos, uh, posts about it to try to educate and explain why it is. There's one from, I think, um, last year where I, I'm in the middle of the area, I've got my arms open and I go into all the details why that's not a parking spot and talk about the importance of leaving those spots. And even talking about ambulatory disabilities when there's a spot next to it, parking in those spots so that those who have wheelchairs have enough room to get in and out. Take it if you need it, if it's the only close spot and that's going to make a significant difference for you. But if you can leave it by parking one over for somebody who needs the space for a wheelchair, then do that. And then I've also talked about what to do when there are no accessible spots, which is put a note on your window and double park. Park dead center on the line of two spots so that you have the room that you need on either side. And then I'll just stick something in my window that says, I'm sorry to double park, but I need, I need the room to be able to get in and out of my vehicle. And so that's kind of the way I address that. All right. I need to do a little bit of nukes, Christy, much as I don't want to. As always, girlfriend, thank you for being here. I just love you to death. And I've always, mutual. I always learn from you every time we're together. And I so appreciate it. I always appreciate being with you. What's next for Christy? Well, next week we go to Travelability. And then after that, we go to Ottawa, Canada. And then um, Hershey, Pennsylvania. And then Cruise World. I'll be speaking at Cruise World. And then in December, I'll be doing my first non-travel industry conference. I'll be speaking at a nursing conference about how nurses can empower people to get out and live life as well. So that's kind of my fall lineup. And then, of course, I am the state coordinator for the Ms. Wheelchair Texas program. And we are going to be having the most amazing competition in February. I want it to be an event that everybody wants to attend and where they're not seeing women who are inspiring to those with disabilities but they're seeing women who are a force to be reckoned with no matter what setting that they're in. And so uh, we're working on building that up and getting people there who are excited about showcasing that. Sweet. It would be really cool if one of your conferences, I happen to be there as ambassador for Will USA and Scootery. That would be that would cool be awesome. if we end up having to work the same show. I would love that. That'd be yeah. fantastic. All right, Christy. Thank you so much. And Always good to me. talk with you, Philly. We'll, we'll talk, talk to you again, again real soon. All, All right. right. Love you. See you. you too.
that, of course, is Christy Durso from Incredible Memories Travel. Oh, my goodness. I just love doing stuff with her. All right. Let's get a couple of stories on the news side of things. Guests currently sailing on MSC Seaside have reported a new charge in the ship's two main dining rooms, a $5 surcharge. The notation is listed on the menu as only listed for entrees. A surcharge of $5 for the second entree or more applies. This new charge is an unwelcome surprise to many cruise travelers who are becoming increasingly dissatisfied with the perceived nickel and diming on cruises when a seemingly inexpensive base fare is augmented by multiple extra fees. Carnival Cruise Line was the first major cruise line to implement such charges in the main dining room in early November 2022, but that cruise line's $5 surcharge only applied to third, fourth, or more entrees. The first two remain complimentary. MSC Cruises appears to be charging the fee for the second entree as well. Royal Caribbean International quickly followed suit with an extra charge in late November of 2022, but only applied that fee to broiled lobster tail. The fee is substantially higher, however, $16.99 per tail, plus an 18% gratuity. MSC Cruises extra fee applies to all types of entrees. While guests aboard MSC Seaside has confirmed the charge, it's not yet known whether the charge is being implemented fleet-wide or if it may just be a test phase aboard limited ships or select sailings. MSC Seaside is currently homeported in Port Canaveral, Florida, offering various itineraries to the Bahamas and Western Caribbean ports of call. It must be noted. All right. I'll be back with a couple other stories after a quick break from one of my network sponsors. All right. The next story this morning, folks, we go to our friends over at Carnival. Captain Vittorio Marchi is celebrating a big milestone with Carnival Cruise Line on August the 8th, which he considers a lucky number that's been entwined with his journey since the start. Captain Marchi's uh, career began 888 when he joined the Carnival family. Looking back at his 35-year-long career, he added, quote, so much has changed over 35 years. The industry has undergone a significant evolution. Cruise ships have become bigger and have a lot more to offer to cater to diverse passenger interests than they did in 1988. We travel to more destinations worldwide. There are more dining and entertainment options to suit all tastes. And of course, many improvements in technology with advanced navigation systems. Marchi previously served as captain of the Carnival Spirit out of Sydney, leading the crew for more than two years. He's now back in Australia, bringing his expertise to the Carnival Splendor. Marchi listed eight reasons why he loved being a captain on Carnival ships. And those eight reasons were exploring the world, 
meeting incredible people, guiding the next generation, making cherished memories with guests, a life of adventure, unbreakable bonds, and commanding the ship with spectacular sunsets. Congratulations to Captain Marchie. That's pretty cool. All right. A quick look at the weather, folks. While it's not in the Atlantic or the Pacific, uh, powerful uh, Hurricane Dora continues its western path across the central Pacific at 11 o'clock Hawaii time. The center of Hurricane Dora was located about 740 miles southwest of Honolulu. Dora is moving toward the west near 23 miles an hour. This motion is expected to continue with a gradual turn to the west-northwest over the next couple of days. Maximum sustained winds are still about 130 miles an hour, which makes Dory, of course, still a Category 4 hurricane. Some gradual weakening is forecast during the next 48 hours. The estimated pressure is 953 millibars. And the reason we're talking about this, even though it's not uh, directly on Hawaii, folks, uh, Maui especially, and now on the Big Island, has a raft of wildfires. And they're totally out of control, much because of the winds from Hurricane Dory. It's fanning the fires, literally and they haven't been able to get a, a, a handle on it. So Hurricane Dory is causing more trouble on land, even though it's not touched land anywhere. So, all right, that's gonna wrap up the uh, news portion of today's show. Let's go see who's over in the chat room today. Oh, by the way, uh, just a quick announcement. At 1 o'clock today, Pete and I will be doing Passion for Cruises USA Solo Cruise Deal Show. Uh, also, Friday night, I'm probably going to do another of my uh, hosted cruise shows uh, to talk about uh, the hosted cruises I've got coming up and maybe be able to announce a new hosted cruise that I'll be doing. All right, Hot Air Tom is with us. Steve's here out in Kentucky. Mike's with us. Emily's with us. I am. I have seen you hanging out with Eddie and the gang. Nikki's here. What is with Nikki having her own tropical storm? Um... Yeah, she will have a tropical storm when it gets to that. So, uh, Yuki's with us. She says, good morning to everybody from rainy Seattle, Washington. Nice to have you with us, Yuki. Welcome aboard. Uh, as you can tell, and I'm surprised there's not, there's not, near as many people in the chat room today as normal. So I guess people are elsewhere and 
doing other things and I'll watch it on replay. So, oh, that comment was for Christy. Oh, sorry, him. I didn't catch it while Christy was still on. Uh, she's, you've seen Christy hanging out with Eddie and the gang. I understand now. Okay, thanks, him. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for today. Again, 1 o'clock this afternoon, I'll be doing a solo cruise deal show with Pete. Uh, it's you know, going to be all over the place. It'll be live on uh, Passion for Cruises U.S. Facebook page and a YouTube page. It'll be on my YouTube channel and my regular Facebook page. So just catch us uh, wherever you, you, uh, you can. Emily says, welcome to Yuki as well. Uh, and I agree there. Make sure you come back and join us again, Yuki. All right, again, my special thanks to Christy. I just, she's just so amazing. She really is. I just love her to death. All right, guys, that's going to wrap me up for today. Uh, I'll see everybody back here tomorrow. Please smash that like button. That'll help the channel out a lot. If you haven't subscribed, please consider doing so. It doesn't cost you anything. It helps us out immensely. So, again, that's going to wrap it up for today. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, think about cruising, and hopefully one day soon we'll all get together on the high seas. Have a fantastic day, everybody. See you tomorrow. I regularly post videos on all facets of the travel and cruise industry, so if you like to keep up with the latest in cruise ships, ports of call, cruises themselves, chilly chats, and travel and cruise industry news, just hit the little subscribe button in the lower right-hand corner. Hit the bell notification so you'll be notified when a new video is up or we go live. This video was produced by Chili's Cruises.